0: I am truly excited about this one. Let me tell you something. I had what I was going to preach. I'm going to save it. I'm not going to preach it next week. I'm going to save it, and I've put it to the side. I had some work to do on it still. But when I got to the office here at church on Tuesday, specifically, I was just praying, and I felt like the Lord shifted my mind a little bit, but I'm supposed to preach more of a foundational message. Now, listen to me. We've had foundational messages in this series, so this is even more broad, even more broad in a foundation. This is about you and Christ. This is about individual represent. This is about, do I understand what the kingdom really is about, and do I understand what this whole upside-down concept is about? Because the challenge is that it's not just information. y'all look at me. It's not just information. You can get as much information as is out there. Read every book that's out there. Read the Bible every day and still miss the kingdom of God. Because it's not information, it's impartation. you got to eat it. Someone say eat it. you got to eat it. It's got to be yours. You've got to own it, eat it, let it come in and change you. Most people, I'm going to look at the camera. Most people watching online, most people looking at me right here. Most religious people. Think that this, that what we're doing is practicing religion, that church is about religion, that Jesus came. This is what most people in the world in history books, this is what they would teach, that Jesus was a religious figure. Jesus is not a religious figure. He is God in flesh. He came as a king. He is a a conquering king that came as a humble servant to show us not to be served, but, be, but serve and give his life as a ransom. He did not come so that we would start this thing called Christianity. It wasn't even called Christianity until it was mocked. It was called the way. Someone say the way. The way. It was called the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. This thing has been twisted and turned upside down. I'm going to tell you something. Satan is perfectly fine with you being religious. He is not fine with you seeking the kingdom, with you being a kingdom man or kingdom woman, with you having the understanding of what it means to be a citizen, a son or a daughter of the king. And the upside down thing is not whether or not you go to church or whether or not you do religious rituals. The thing is, does Jesus have your heart? The thing is, do you have a true concept and understanding where he has transformed this? into his likeness and every day continues to do so because you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. Most of us have been under the understanding since we were children or since the first time you came to church that what Jesus' plan for your life is is to get you out of hell because you said a prayer. Can I tell you something? I am thankful to God that because I'm saved, I don't have to go to hell. But I am not okay with believing that that is the only plan that he had. He did not die on the cross just so you missed hell and did your thing. He did it so that you would bring heaven to earth. I'm going to show it to you. It's amazing that the Bible actually says that in Jesus' name. But the title of today's message is this, Dual Citizenship. Someone say dual. dual. Does anybody in here have dual citizenship? You are all, I think, that I'm looking at, all citizens of the United States of America, based on what I can see. Does anybody else have a citizenship somewhere else? I will be impressed if you do. We had one in the last service. Okay, I don't believe you. We had one, <laughs> we had one in the last service, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's any in this service. I've always thought it would be cool to have dual citizenship. Can I tell you why? This is not a passport, this is my wallet. I just think it'd be cool to have like six passports like Jason Bourne. You're going through, <laughs> you right? So you're going through which one do I want to be today? Sven Hansen. <laughs> I can be him, right? I can be different people. I don't, I'm not talking about having split personalities. I'm talking about having dual citizenships. I'm going to say dual. dual. That means more than one. That means I'm a citizen of America, and I'm also a citizen of whatever country you want to pretend that you're a citizen of. I think it'd be really cool. Why? Because I'm still American even if, I, if another country decides to give me citizenship. But if all of a sudden... America decided that I should be the ambassador to a foreign nation. Now, listen to me. So let's just make up, let's just do Canada because it's the easiest and it's the closest. Maybe that and Mexico are the closest to us, but you can get through the border pretty easily in Canada unless COVID-19 is going on and then they lock it down on both sides. Praise God, it's going to be over soon, I hope, Jesus' name. All right, but in a normal day, you, you can just go to Niagara Falls and go across and it's not a real big deal. But I'm still not a citizen of Canada, am I? Everybody do this. Nope. Still not a citizen. But if I was the ambassador to Canada, I would then be given citizenship by the Canadian government. But also something crazy happens. Where I live and the embassy that I work at is American soil. Did y'all know that? So in foreign countries where the American embassy is, it's not that country's soil. It's sovereign soil that is considered American. The way that I have to look at this world is what the Bible says that I am. That I am an ambassador in a foreign nation. That I'm no longer a citizen of earth, but I'm now a stranger to this place. This world is not my home anymore because I'm his. I'm now a citizen of, everybody say what's up there? Heaven, the sky? Is that what you mean? I'm a citizen of heaven. Living on earth, I am. my mindset must be for this to begin to be upside down, that I'm colonizing earth, that this is a colony of heaven, that I'm living here, and the place that I live is sovereign. Why? Because I'm sovereign? Because my name's King Mark? No, because I'm a son of the king, because he has given me governorship, because I'm not the king, but I live as if I understand that this is no longer my home and I live in a sovereign place. How can this be holy ground? It is wood, and it is concrete, and it is in Sugartit, South Carolina. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How can it be sovereign? Because I'm not thinking about Reedville, or Woodruff, or Spartanburg County, or even Sugartit, because that really is where we are. I'm thinking about heaven coming to earth, which is the opposite of what we think. And we can say, yes, praise God, amen, that's it, Mark, preach it. But that ain't it. That ain't it. That's not how I naturally think. I wake up in the morning, and most of us, if we pray, I'm saying if, I'm not judging you, I'm saying if. Some of us pray, some of us don't, but if we pray, what we're praying is, God, rescue me from this earth. The religious person's natural inclination is to hope that I can get out of this earth. If God's plan was for you to be out of the earth, when you got, as soon as you got saved, he'd take you to heaven. Right. One person. If God's plan was just to get you to heaven and not when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, do you know what he said? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in... Hmm. So I shouldn't pray, God, get me out of here. And I shouldn't always say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, can we please get out of here? Maybe I should pray, let your kingdom be established through Mark. May I understand that I have dual citizenship, that I'm still human, that I still have a home here on earth, but my eternal home is more important than that, and my mindset should be in heaven. As a matter of fact, this is what Paul said in in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, so you're no longer just Gentiles that are only this. You're no longer strangers or foreigners to the family of God. You're no longer that. Why? Because I'm saved. He said, you're citizens. Everybody say citizens. Say it loud. Say citizens. Citizens. I'm a citizen. Along with God's holy people, I'm members of God's family. My citizenship is no longer there. My citizenship, heaven is no longer a foreign place to me. I'm I'm now a citizen of heaven. But this is the the issue with that. Y'all look. The issue is citizenship is invisible. Citizenship is invisible. What does that mean? It means you can't tell if someone has five A citizenship in five places? In America especially, because you know when you go to some foreign countries, 99% of people look the same. And I don't mean literally in their facial features, I mean their skin color. A lot of countries, their skin color is identical. If you go to the Middle East, they are all caramel skinned. If you go to Southeast Asia, almost all the people look the same. They have distinction in their exact facial features, but they look very similar. We're a melting pot. It's beautiful. And you could go across and assume that someone is a citizen of another country, but the reality is we are made up of immigrants. There is no one that I'm looking at whose family was not an immigrant at some point because I don't see any Native Americans. And the rest of us were immigrants. We came in. And so as a result, it's hard to tell in America who is a natural born citizen and who is not? It is easy to trick somebody because you have five or four or three or citizen, or you're not even a citizen here, you're visiting. We couldn't tell why. Because citizenship is, say it loud, citizenship is, I struggle with this word, citizenship. It is invisible. You can't see it. Ta-da, ta-da, ta. John Cena, right? You can't see it. Why? Why? Because citizenship has nothing to do with the way you look. It has everything to do with the culture of where you're from. Citizenship is not about the way you look. So if you think that when you get saved and trust Jesus as Savior, all of a sudden this is going to change, I got news for you. If you ugly, come on, we can laugh in here. You're still ugly. Jesus does not, he does miracles every day, but I hadn't seen someone who was ugly turn pretty while why are you laughing? <laughs> he does not worry about this. Matter of fact, God's, Jesus said this, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So this is not what makes me a citizen of heaven. He's worried about inside. So I'm gonna say inside. It's because inside's what matters. But citizenship can be identified through distinctions in, I need y'all to say this word. Through distinctions in culture. Distinctions in culture. When I was working for dad, which was a whole different message altogether. everybody. Praise the Lord. We worked construction and we had some Hispanic guys that worked for us and they were were specifically from Mexico. And when you would, we would take them home sometime. I spent time in their house and we worked some stuff on their homes. And there are lots of Hispanic Americans. Are y'all with me so far? Say yes. But they had not yet gotten their citizenship. They had applied for it and we were helping them. They had not yet gotten them. We did all the work. They finally got them, praise the Lord. But, but when I would go to their neighborhood, even though they were in America, they could speak English, I could tell that I was going to a place that did not distinctly feel like my home. Why? Because when I would pull in the neighborhood, I would hear music that is different than I'm used to. I would smell things because they were cooking that smelled different than, mine, than what we naturally cook, what I'm used to. I would hear things. I would hear Spanish language being taught and spoken almost exclusively in their neighborhood. I would walk in their home. It would be completely different, and it's like I went into another country. I would not have thought that by walking in most of your homes. Why? Because the distinction is invisible, but I can tell because I experience your culture. It's distinctly different. I could see Mexican flags up. I could I could hear, I could and I loved how it tasted cuz I really like Mexican food. Come on somebody. And I could tell because I had been in their environment. Because my citizenship is not visible but is identifiable through distinctions that God taught us. That's what Jesus came teaching. The kingdom is at hand. And then throughout, he started teaching these things. And it's distinctions that people should be able to identify. But look at this, look at this, look at this. Religion says it's behavior. Jesus was not teaching behavioral modification. He was teaching heart change. And what flips me upside down and helps me see the world the way that he does is when my distinction becomes his distinctions. So look at this culture. This is the definition, it's not, this is not preaching right now. Culture is just a set of behaviors, language, and beliefs. I simplified it, but this is all culture is. If you're doing a leadership talk and you're talking to a business, this is something you need to know. Why? Because your business has a culture. Leadership, you got to know this. You can cast vision. All day long, but culture eats vision for breakfast. It is the, belief, the behaviors, the language, and the beliefs that makes us who we are. We as a church have a culture. When people talk about us, they're described, they're so friendly. I love being with them. They smile. They're not, that is cultural. Yeah, because if you don't naturally do those things, but we get together and we do those things, that is the behaviors and the, that is how we sound. That is how we act. That is distinctive to us. So people are describing the culture of this house as friendly. That's a friendly culture. I don't know about you, but I've been in churches before, that if you sit in their pew, don't be silent now because y'all know what I'm talking about. Excuse me, you're sitting in my seat. I've sit there since 1947. Well, praise God. it's It's got an indention. I can tell it's yours. Right? That is their culture. That's what they are. They can say what they want to be. But that does not matter. Matter of fact, let me show you this. Culture isn't what you do or what you say you want to do. It's who you are. So I can say I want my culture to be friendly. But if I'm not friendly, guess what? It ain't that. Listen, pause, break. This is the problem with Christianity in general. I see people all the time putting stuff on social media that says this. Jesus said to love... So we're just going to love people. We're all about love. I'm going to step on your toes probably, but I love you in Jesus' name. Just stay with me. And I think we mean it, but it's not what you say. It's what you continually do. It's known by the fruit that I'm going to show you in just a second. So so we say we're, we're all about love. We should love people. We should love people. Let someone disagree with you. Jesus, have mercy. I couldn't get if I paid all of y'all $1,000 for y'all to get up and be loud and shout and be excited. But if I put two presidential candidates up here, I mean, people lose their minds. I see people that would not never say a word, get their blood boiling, so upset. Ah, I can't believe you have to. And it's, either, it's either an elephant or a donkey that we're losing our minds over. Jesus, help us. I mean, it's next to impossible to get. I'm talking about Christians now. This is for Christian people. If you're not a Christian, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. You're going to have a second to join us in just a second. But for Christian people watching online or watching in here, the, the distinction that separates us is we hate you if you do what we don't agree with. But we're supposed to love everybody, so we're going to say verses to talk about love, but then we ain't going to love you. It's okay if you don't agree with me right now. Don't be as angry as you are online. You on, somebody. <laughs> That's funny. Because it's not what I say I want to be. It's what I am. That is my culture. Look, this is what the scientific definition of culture is. This is literally nothing about Jesus. We have some nurse, doctor, educated people in the room. This is the, this is the scientific term. It's, it's, it's how you get a medium. It's an, understand, it's an environment. So when you go get your blood work done, you're getting blood cultures. That's what they say. And they tell you when they come back, ooh, some virus came back in your blood cultures. If any of y'all hadn't been to the doctor ever, it might be a good time to start, right? (laughs) Some of y'all are looking at me like you've seen a ghost. That's what they do. Whenever they're going to take a couple vials of blood, what they're going to check is, is it healthy? Listen, like it's supposed to be. When it's not, something has happened to the good culture. Something is off. They check it to see, is it balanced like it is supposed to be? When you look at the kingdom, the reason that it's upside down, the reason what Jesus taught is backwards is because my natural self, my natural self, what I was born into in sin, does not see things the way that he does. But when I was born again is what Jesus said in John chapter 3. He said flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. you got to be born again. There's a new culture that comes inside of you. Those old cultures should feel like when I'm sick, when I sin. It's not a behavioral modification system. It is dead has come to life. The heart of stone has become a heart of flesh, and I no longer see things the way that I used to. The problem is our mindset says Jesus come in and rescue me. And get me out of this storm, not realizing that maybe He called you to the storm so you could be the difference in Christ. Yes. But I see things all backwards because I'm looking at this environment going, I don't like, watch the, if y'all miss this, you're gonna miss the most important stuff. I don't like how it feels. God gave you distinctions in your personality and they're not bad. Some of us have off balance things. I'm ADHD. God intends to use that. I don't always like it. Squirrel, I don't always like it, right? And there's things about us that we change physically and we look and we spend so much time trying to change the physical that we don't realize that's not what God is about. One day you'll receive a glorified body. Until that day, he's worried about what's in you, not what's outside. And we we focus our attention on trying to fix this. And he's focusing his attention on loving you and wanting to use you. And you tell him things like, I just ain't feeling it, or they did this to me, not realizing that he wants to use that to his glory. And it's frustrating because in this environment, in this medium, I'm stuck because I constantly want him to change this. Listen, if you miss this, you'll miss the point. And he called you to affect that. He's, He's planted you. This is what I think is so cool about, and I'm about to show you, what I think is so cool about the Bible, and especially what Jesus taught, and why this seems backwards is over and over and over and over and over again. When Jesus was teaching, he talked about agriculture. The word agri in Latin just means acre. That's where we get, it's land. And he constantly gave examples of the kingdom is like seed that's planted in good soil and in rocky soil. The kingdom is like a field. The kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. And then he said this. He said this. That that my environmental factors are what causes me to think upside down and that 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 this is the big problem. That this is the big problem. That I look at what I think I need. Have y'all heard of Maslow? If y'all have never heard of him, he tells you a hierarchy and the baseline are the things that I think I need the most. This is the environmental stuff. This is the the fruit stuff that causes me to get into a bind. And this is what he said. Y'all have all heard this even if you don't know the name Maslow. We need food, water, air, and shelter. That's what we were taught in school. Do y'all remember that? Say yes. Yes. This is what makes Jesus so funny. If If you don't understand the upside down, I could just say this today and this should make sense. Jesus said... I tell you, don't be anxious about what you eat, drink, or wear. <laughs> so pause back up. What, what, am I, what, what are the things that Maslow says I have to understand that I have in order to feel safe? The baseline of need. This is where agriculture comes in. Listen. Is what I eat, drink, and wear. Jesus said, no, don't worry about that. The Gentiles worry about that. It's not a big deal. Seek first. Everybody say First. first. The kingdom and his righteousness, all those things will be added to you. What? Like that, That's cool because when you read your Bible and you do a quiet time and you just read through it, you're like, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. We'll do it until you don't have it. Then what do you spend the entire time you pray on? I need more. I need more. I need more. Give me more. Help me. Help me. Help me. Nothing to do with this. It's upside down. Yes. We're in a bind. And then in the next chapter, he says this. And this is what gets into the agriculture part because this is really getting to the point. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's all about kingdom. He's establishing it. And this is what he says. Beware of these false prophets. Because, look, I think that's so cool. Because he said they're going to come out like with this clothing. But they're inwardly, because that's what matters, right? Wolves. He said, this is the point. You'll be recognized. You'll recognize them. And I'll recognize you by your. Everybody say the word. Say it loud. By my fruit. He said, are, ga- are, gapes. are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs or thistles? No. They're on vines. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. And the diseased ones, he's not mad at the diseased ones. This is what we do with things that are diseased, right? If, you were, if you've planted a garden and something is diseased and you know it cannot recover, you pull it up, cut it up, and get rid of it. Why? Because you planted that thing with a purpose of bearing the fruit that you planted it for. No one planted a tomato bush this year. No one. Hoping that maybe it'll get grapes out of it. And everyone that did it, if it's not producing fruit, guess what you do? You start over. Because you want it to bear that fruit. Well, he's he's saying the same thing. He said, look, you're looking at this upside down. And if you go out and hope that all of a sudden you can just start being a tomato... I know it sounds crazy, but it's upside down. We focus so much attention. I've been in churches my whole life, and there were so many messages that were about shame on you, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. You should have done this. You shouldn't have done this. You should have done this. You shouldn't have done this. And guess what? It doesn't help. Why? Because you can't hope to love somebody. Love has to invade here, and then love comes out. And it got nothing to do with how hard I tried to be a fruit. Some people are fruity. We can preach that later. <laughs> but the reality is, this comes out of this. And then he said, every tree that does not bear good fruit is thrown into the fire, thus you will, you will, what's this word? Recognize. Say it loud. Recognize. You better recognize <laughs> by their fruits. And then I love this. In John 15, abide in me. This is Jesus talking. This is all kingdom. This is upside down. This is getting it like he gets it. Abide in me and, and I will ab- abide in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains or abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you remain or abide in Jesus. I am, Jesus saying this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. And all of us would say amen to that. But we wake up or we think, I'm going to love somebody today. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have, and this is the Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. I want to fill in the blank better. Do all of these things. I want to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to do those things better. I want to have better self-control, God. So today, give me better self-control. It doesn't work. How many of y'all agree? You've tried it. But then, in the middle of your lack of self control, thinking of Jesus is not what we think. We think, Jesus, come get me out of this mess. What if he planted you? It's all about this agriculture theme on purpose to show his glory. What if he intended for you in this season? Not to be removed from suffering, but, but, but through the suffering that you're in for God to be glorified. What if every time that I pray, God, get me out of this feeling, we miss God altogether? What if that's not the point? And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't pray healing. There's clear scripture that, that healing, that God is a healer, that he's the great physician. But the point is, if I focus my energy on trying to be a good fruit, then I've missed the point that I'm not a fruit at all that I'm a, vi- or I'm a branch of a vine. Now, when we walk into a grocery store and we go to the fruit section, what section is that called? Come on, somebody. Produce. 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 You'll be known by what you produce. Hmm. And none of that produce, when I'm walking in Ingalls today or Walmart or whatever grocery store you shop at, Publix, I see some of y'all. None of that fruit woke up and said, you know, I just wish I was this fruit. It only was because it was attached to a seed that became a, that became a, that produced. And I'm only what I'm attached to because the environment that, that has been changed in me or watch this has not. Because if I'm known by my fruit that I can say talk you to death and say what I am but you experience what is actually in me and what they experience out there. Why do they not want what we have? Because we yell at them for doing things that they don't understand yet. Because we point fingers at them and judge them and cast down on them and if they don't know Jesus they shouldn't have this understanding that's flipped upside down. We should show them it's better. That's how the kingdom changes when you build one bigger and better than the one they're currently in. But the environment that we're in is we're going to do it just like you and yell at you for doing what we're actually doing. He said we can do nothing apart from him. If anyone does not remain in him, he's thrown away and his branches wither. And some of y'all feel withered up today and dried up, but he's not done with you. Why? Because in the middle of that storm, he's wanting to show people how great he is. I don't know why we get this mentality, but some of us think I have to feel good to be greatly used by God, but he, he said, not me. When you're weak, he's strong. So why do we have that mentality? It's because it's upside down. And until we get an understanding that maybe God allows you to feel that way so that he can be strengthened, he can be made great in your weakness. And then I love this. Whoever remains in him, whatever you ask, Whatever you ask, he'll do it. We go to God in prayer not believing that he'll do anything, but I I wonder if it's because we've never actually remained in him. We've never actually remained in him. Because fruit is just the return on which kingdom I'm actually in. It's just the produce of what kingdom I'm actually attached to. And no matter how many amens you say, no matter what you tell me to my face, no matter if you'd sit in my office right now and I'd interview you and I'd say... Where are you with Jesus? And you say, oh, I know him. When I was 10, I prayed a prayer and I did this. What you're producing, what you're producing is which kingdom you're attached to. I believe this is, this is the key, y'all. If I would stop worrying about the soil and the outside and the rain and the storm and realize that it's good when it rains when, it, when, when we think about having a garden, right? It was getting dry. Lee and I were about to run the sprinklers at our house and all of a sudden we had two big rainstorms. And both of us, you know what we said? Thank God. But you know what happens in your life? Oh God, in the middle of a storm, we say, oh God, get it out. Instead of realizing that God wants to use storms to produce great fruit, we look at storms and say, get it out of here. You wonder why you're dry and withered up, but maybe some of you are supposed to go through a storm to be full of fruit. Are you with me? I know it's quiet. And I'm okay with that because I think the Lord's dealing with some of y'all. Some of y'all might be writing notes like we used to do. Come on, somebody. But I hope God's dealing with you because I think he's got a word for you. You don't have to stay dried up, but you got to let him speak to you when he's in the middle of something. you got to stop believing that everything, the world's against you. you got to stop believing that it's going to be what you think it's going to be. Why is it that in a lot of our houses, we have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own? Say it loud. But every time we don't understand, we get mad at God. Why is it that we try to put the God of the universe who spoke, boom, Let there be light. And out of his mouth shot light. We can't find the end of the universe. And the Bible says the the universe is held in the palm of his hand. He is infinite. He is alpha and omega. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says he works from the end to the beginning. He's the only being on earth, in heaven, or on any heaven, wherever anything is, that knows the end from the beginning, that works from back to front, that has been to your end. And yet what we try to do with God, the reason it's so upside down is we say, God, do you see where I am right now? It's never bad to hold our hands out and say, I just want to make you aware. I know you know it, but I've seen their hurt and I've seen their need. Use me. When we get into trouble is when we look at God and say, you've forgotten me. And God does not mock us. He is so kind and loving. Thank goodness I'm not him. Because I would look if I was the creator and I had worked from the end to the beginning and say, you forgot that I've already been there, bro. I've seen your end. I've numbered your days. I've seen the death that you've had. I've seen when you've come to heaven. I've seen everything that you've done and will do. I forgave you for every sin. I became your sin so that you could be my righteousness. And all I ask you to do is lay your life down and let me produce good fruit in you. It is not your job to produce good fruit. It is your job to die to yourself and let Him produce it in you. The problem is, all I want God for is to do a magic trick in my life. Maybe make me look good. Give me a platform in where I am. Make me successful. And I get to go to heaven when I die. Why has the earth not seen a massive shift toward God? Because God's people, the remnant that He left, that He said it'd be better if I left because I've left my Holy Spirit so that my bride could be seen and I could be glorified, has still looked at things the wrong way, the opposite way of the way God sees them. And as a result, they look at us and go, You're just like me. Do you know there's over a billion people that call themselves Christians? Yeah, you know, they look just like us. That's what, that's what they think out there. Why would I want what you got? You yell at me to love people, but love hasn't invaded you. As soon as the tough gets going. When the going gets tough, the Christians get going, right? That's what I meant to say. And eventually it'll come out. It came out backwards. You're welcome for that. When the going gets tough, Christians get going. And I just believe the word today is planted, that God has called us to be planted in him. And take a real look inside. Who is at the center of my life? The whole key, the whole key, the whole key to this whole thing, y'all. How do I know what fruit I'm producing? What what environmental factors keep me from it? And Maslow said, what you drink and what you eat and what you wear. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. Put me first. Let me have one of those taken away, and you'll know loud screaming, Jesus is first as long as he gives me what I want. The whole key is what are you planted in? Which means, translate, who's first? Everybody say first. Say it loud. Say first. Let me show you in Colossians 1 a culmination, putting a bow on this, what Paul said this is it. You can't seek a kingdom first if you hadn't put the king on the throne. Let me say that again. You can't seek the kingdom first if Jesus isn't on the throne of your heart. If Jesus isn't first, he's the king, y'all. What kingdom are you seeking if you don't know who the king is? We're making a mockery of the kingdom that is his if he's not on the center. If this isn't a representation of the king's kingdom, then we're building our own kingdom and trying to put Jesus' name on it. He has to be first. And this is what Paul said. Look at this, Colossians 1. He said, he has delivered me from the kingdom, that domain that domain li- literally is the same Greek word as this Greek word "king" for kingdom. He said, "He delivered me from the kingdom of darkness and transferred me into His kingdom." God's beloved Son Jesus, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. This is about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, someone say this word all. Say it, all things. Say it again. All things. He didn't say most things, some things. He said all things were created on heaven and earth. All things, all things, all things. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions as kingdoms or rulers or authorities, all things, all things, all things, he is emphasizing this. He wants you to know this, that all things were created through him and for him. Pause. He's the point. What's the point of you having success? Him. What's the point of your life? Him. He wants everything to be pointed to Him. And anytime I pray, you do this for me so that. He wants you. I I really believe this. He's cool with people being elevated. As long as it's pointing to Him. But as soon as you want a platform and hope that He'll bless your platform, Satan will give that to you. Matthew 4, Jesus getting tempted. He tells Jesus, if you'll just bow before me, I'll give you all of this because he's the prince of power power of the air and the king of this world. He said, if you'll just bow before me. So if you want a get out of hell free, wrong. If you want something to be built for you, if you want your name to be in lights, if you want to be the point, this is always going to seem upside down because it's not about me. It's not about you. He must become greater and greater and greater. And I must become less and less and less. Because all things were created through him and for him. Look at this. He's before all things. I just talked about that. He's before it all. He's been where you're going. And in him all things are held together. Boy, there's a good message in that. I'm going to keep going. If you feel like you're falling apart, he's got you. And he is the head of the body of us, the church, capital C, church. He's the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn. Adam is the first man. The second Adam is the firstborn. Why? Because he was born of God and of Mary, of man. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary and said, I'm gonna make a God-man to live a sinless life, to become sin so that you could be the righteousness of God, so that you could be John chapter 1 verse 12, the children of God so that I could have his likeness imprinted on me so that I could enter when the curtain was torn, the holy of holies, so that I can have fellowship with him every day. He had to be this firstborn from the dead. He took on all of that death and made us alive in him so that this is the key in everything. He might be, I need y'all to say that word. Say it loud. You know what that word means? First. First, 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 in first place, in everything. He, preeminence is no matter what hobby I have, no matter what thing I like to do, no matter what job I have, it can't be first. My kids can't be first. My wife can't be first. Nothing can be first. If Jesus is preeminent, all of those are second. And we can say it's yes, but by our fruit, people know what's really preeminent, what's first. Because that. Preeminence, that is what the fruit producer is in your life. You let your team, who is preeminent in your life, lose? We're gonna know. Why? Because you lose your cookies. Your spouse hates being with you when your team loses. Why? Because it's first. Jesus, this one you know. Jesus, please help my team win. Please. Does he care about your team? Sure, he loves people. But I don't think he's up there with the scoreboard watching going, man, I hope Mark gets his way because maybe then he can put me first. And I'm making light of it but maybe we're hitting on some of the problem. Maybe I'm picking at some of the scabs. That's the truth, y'all. Because I know it's uncomfortable but that's preeminence. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to live, dwell. John, 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelled, lived among us. That's Jesus. And through him to say this word. Say it loud. Second Corinthians 5 says he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. 17. That that you in him are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. Verse 19, and he's given you the message of reconciliation. Verse 21, that you're ambassadors. He who knew no sin became sin to make you become the righteousness of God. The point is, his goal is to reconcile... I skipped. The goal is to reconcile everything to himself, all things, everything, 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 whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. That's, that's, that's his plan. It's as clear as a bell. That's the goal. And so my job... As a follower of Jesus, understanding this upside-down thing is not, God, grow my church. God, make me better. God, make this. God, make this. God, you pre- be preeminent. Jesus, you be first. Jesus, take this life. God, I don't understand why we're in this, but I will be planted in you through the middle of the storm. You're my anchor. God, in all of these things be glorified. I don't understand why you wanted me to be planted in this thing right now, but I believe you want to be known. So use me, in my weakness become strong. If I could have that mindset, it would change the way I pray, it would change the way I look at the world, it would change my anger, it would change, it would change the way that I, that I look down on people. Because my goal would be I just want you to know him because he's better. Because he's kind and loving. Because he wants to make you a son and you a daughter. He wants to know you personally. But all I think through when my my mind is flipped upside down is, God, why would you do this to me? And it makes this world a roller coaster, y'all. Doesn't it? It's maddening. Because all I can think is God must have forgotten me. Because I heard someone preach that all things are good. But that's not what Paul said through the Holy Spirit. He said he works. Everybody say works. All things together. Someone say together. Isn't that interesting that all things are held together by Jesus and that he works all things together but then when things aren't going the way that I think they should, I'm wondering what's wrong. And maybe it's not that he's not working all things together. Maybe it's that I've pushed away from the vine? Maybe it's I'm attached to the wrong vine and maybe I'm producing the wrong fruit. Excuse me, I don't know what food is, but just go with it. Maybe it's that I'm producing the wrong fruit, hoping that he'll come and change my behavior. Religion wants to change your behavior. God wants your heart. Your behavior will produce whatever you're attached to. Your produce will be what you're attached to your produce. You will always produce whatever you're attached to. Stop looking at the produce and start looking at you. You will continue to live upside down from what God planned. It looks like what everybody else looks like as long as you stop looking at Him first. He has not just come to save you out of, but to plant you in so that He's glorified every day of your life. When things look good, when things look bad, no matter what it is, he wants to be glorified. So this is what I want you to do. In the song that we're about to sing, I want you to honestly evaluate, honestly evaluate who's preeminent. I want you to ask yourself, what citizenship in your dual citizenship, Christian, is most being glorified? What thing has your heart and attention the most? And I don't want you to lie. I don't want you to tell me. I don't want you to tell your spouse or your friend or your neighbor that you came with. I don't want you to tell anybody. I want it to be between you and God as we sing this song. And I think Shannon could not have picked a better song for us to sing. Why? Because we're singing it is well through all the storm. It is well with my soul. I want you to answer this question. Can you sing that as a testimony or do you just have to go along with what the words are singing? And as soon as we're done, I'm going to close this. So God, as we stand and sing, the goal of this is not to feel beat up because you know, the more I studied this and you talked to me, the more I kind of felt beat up because I can tell you all the things that I've screwed up in and the mess that I feel. Lord, the goal is that you get our whole hearts. And then in the middle of my weakness and stupidity and when I sin and when I fail and when I look and say, how could you ever use me, God? I've done so many things. I realize it was never about all the things I did in my past or all the all the flaws in my personality that I wish would change, none of that. You are God and you choose through me to use me and through them to use them and through all of us to be glorified. And so God, may we look to you and honestly say you are first and it is well. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die in our place, become our sin so that we might become transferred into your kingdom, your righteousness. So as your body here on earth, may we glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's stand and sing.